I said, nobody wants to hear it. Everybody drinks. Like, nobody wants to hear me sit here and talk about why I'm not drinking. And she's like, but maybe somebody needs to hear it. I was born with cerebral palsy. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host and we are continuing our Unconventional Leaders Facebook series where over the past few weeks we have been interviewing, talking with those who are in our Facebook group who are in the trenches, putting their work out there, sharing their messages, sharing their stories, and doing all the things that we talk about on this podcast, implementing it, stepping up, using your voice, making an impact. Becky Claff is who we're talking to today, and she is doing all of the above. She started a blog recently where she's opening up about her journey towards sobriety and talking about addiction and putting herself just out there so that she can help other people who are in similar situations. She is wrapping up her graduate degree in social work, and she just has the biggest heart. So I really want to encourage you to connect with her. All of her links are in the show notes. If any of her story resonates with you at all, she is just a game changer in the work that she is doing. But before we get started, listen, if you feel stuck at all, you want to step up, use your voice, make an impact, but you're like, Heather, listen, I don't know where to begin. Maybe you have a full-time job and it's a time management thing where you're like, I don't even know how to fit this into my life, this thing I feel called to do. Or maybe it's a self-doubt thing and it's this inner critic and it's this fear that's holding you back. Listen, I've been there and I would love to jump on a call with you. Yeah, I am offering free 20-minute calls, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes and schedule a time to, to talk with me. And we are going to hear about your vision, what you feel called to do, and I can hopefully provide some value to you and give you a few ideas about how you can start going after this thing that's within you to do. Again, just click the link in the show notes, schedule a free 20-minute call, or you can go to heatherparity.com forward slash leader and book a time there. I wanted to make an impact on the community. Um, when I lost my corporate job of 15 years, I started working for a nonprofit and I saw the difference that working in social services makes with the youth in the community. And that's when I ended up coming across an opportunity to work at the university I work at now. And they have a very strong focus on engaging in the community and um, it fit for me. Like I had been looking for so long for a place to fit and working with people and empowering them to grow their lives and make a difference in the world is I think where I was meant to land. Yeah. What were you doing before then? I was in customer service for 
material hand in the material handling industry. In the what? In the material handling industry, like batteries and okay. batteries and uh, UPS backup systems. So that's a big it, difference switching from that to social work. It's huge. It's a huge difference. But I was completely burnt out. I'd venture to say, like, I hated people by the time I left my customer service job, um, <clears throat> which is funny considering where I landed now. But it was the best decision I ever made. And it was a really hard decision because you get comfortable in what you're doing. You get comfortable with the pay that you're making. And then you just completely switch. You don't know what's going to happen. You go to, um, you know, you're not working in corporate America anymore. And it was really scary. And I mean, four years later, we're still adjusting to it, but it was the best decision I ever made for myself. Why? I love myself. I love what I'm doing. I feel like I have a purpose in my life and I didn't then. Yeah. What do you feel like your purpose is now? Let's just go ahead and go deep, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> um, to spread love. Like there's so much negativity out there. Um, I feel like my purpose is to educate people that it can be better, that you don't have to listen to the voices of everybody else that are around you. Um, my purpose is to be me and show the world that being yourself authentically and remaining true to yourself and honoring your needs and your wants is what life is about and teaching people how to be able to do that. Yeah. So in your bio that you sent over, man, it's even talking about a punchy one-liner said, I'm a recovering alcoholic who is learning to love herself and loving this life she created. And at the time of this recording, you're about one week into launching your blog where you're going, you are sharing your story, honestly, of dealing with addiction. And that takes a lot of bravery, Becky, to be able to do that. What led you to that decision? I've been feeling called to do it and conversations that I've had with just acquaintances and um, people that I've networked with, they are very intrigued by my take on why I stopped drinking. Um, you know, I always struggle with calling myself a recovering alcoholic. I mean, honestly, that's really what I am. I just struggle with it because I feel like it labels me and it creates this perception about who I am and why I stopped drinking. I didn't have some big, huge rock bottom. Um, I just got to the point where it, my identity was completely wrapped up in alcohol. I didn't know who I was without it anymore. And so that's really the journey that I've been on the past four years. I'm almost three years sober. I did start trying to quit four years ago. Um, this journey has been figuring out who I am and really I'm not that I'm not a different person, you know, it's just figuring out how to be who I am without trying to mask that. Yeah. What first led you down the road to drinking period? It was really a social thing. It started out as a social thing and it quickly turned into coping to deal or actually to not deal with some events that had happened in my life. And I don't think anybody 
around me would have really said that it was a problem, but they also didn't know what was really going on inside of me all either. And that's the thing is you never really know what's going on with someone. And I just feel like our culture is so wrapped up in drinking and wine o'clock and, oh, mama needs a glass of wine and, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere and, you know, it's all great and funny until it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I had a real um, come to Jesus meeting with, we were both at the Lewis Houses conference last year when Jay Shetty talked about drinking there. And just to kind of recap for people who weren't there, he, uh, Jay Shetty, look him up. He's amazing. But he was just talking about our higher calling and living in a state of awareness and um, how alcohol hinders that. And I never heard someone outside of a religious circle talk about the implications of drinking because I grew up in you know religion so it's just like you don't you don't drink and so there was just kind of a rule but he was coming from a place of just like science and you know spirituality definitely but less rule like you shouldn't do this into more of like who are you called to be and what does that require of you well and being present and when you're completely inebriated you're not present like I mean, I got tired of the blackouts. I got tired of not remembering things that had happened. And to this day, I'll run into people and they're like, hey, you remember when? I'm like, no, honestly, I don't. You know, like, I don't remember that. And that was a huge moment for me hearing him talk about that because I'm like, finally, somebody gets it, you know? But of course, he's way more eloquent in the way that he delivers the message, (laughs) you know, because he's been doing this for a while. And Um, he really inspired me to not be afraid to talk about it because at first I was, and I think I even said this to my friend, Rachel, who I roomed with there, we became really close that weekend. And I said, nobody wants to hear it. Everybody drinks. Like nobody wants to hear me sit here and talk about why I'm not drinking. And she's like, but maybe somebody needs to hear it. And you know, that really struck a chord with me. So since then I've been trying to figure out like, okay, how do I share this message without really trying to alienate anybody? Because I don't judge people. Like, if that's what works for you, then that's great. It didn't work for me. And, you know, through the blog, I'm hoping to put out there, like, it didn't work for me. Here's why, you know, and maybe that'll resonate with somebody. So is that the intention of your blog? It's not just that. It's just being healthy all over, but like in protecting your mindset and your mind space, because protecting your mind space, it's something that I feel very strongly about protecting your own thoughts and your own ideas and doing your best to minimize people trying to push you in a direction they feel you should go. Because like really when we think, I mean, that's really what our whole lives are. You know, our parents have these ideas of what we should do when we're growing up and, uh, it's not always what we feel is right. And for a while I was really scared to talk about any of it because I was worried that my mom would think that she did something wrong or she led me down a path because they had nothing to do with it. They were fantastic parents. They still are fantastic parents and they support everything that I do unconditionally. Um, I just kind of lost that. And if I can be that for somebody else that might not have that in their life. Um, that's great. Can we talk about that element of, you know, sharing your journey thus far on your blog and kind of the presence you're building online? 
in theory, like from a stranger's perspective, it's like, go Becky, that's awesome. But the truth is it's really hard because there's so many people who do know you and there's people you're putting your, you're literally putting yourself in a vulnerable position for the world to see. And I've struggled with that. I've talked about that on the show. I think everybody has. And I just want to know from your perspective, you know, I told you earlier that this was courageous of you to come out. I just respect you so much for it. Uh, but what has that internal journey been like for you? Like writing it, hitting publish, and then just making a declaration that this is what you're going to stand for? Tumultuous. <laughs> I mean, I it's been absolutely terrifying. There's, I mean, even the people that know me, like they don't really know me. And this is a way for me to really find my people. And um, I think going to Lewis House's event in October was really that first step in this direction because it opened my eyes to people doing good in the world without really expecting anything from you in return. Mm -hmm. And I felt people kept asking me like why I was there and I had no idea. I just felt like I had to be there, that it was going to be some like huge, like transformational event. But really what it was, was that nudge from the universe to start taking a step in the direction of sharing my story and silencing the fears. Um, I don't know if you remember, like right at the beginning of the first day, he was talking about like what your first, what your three fears are, your third biggest fear, something like that. And like judgment. That was my biggest fear was judgment. Um, and what I've come to realize over the past couple of months is really, it's just me judging myself. Ooh. That's all it is. <laughs> That's my biggest judgment. I, I still worry so much about what people think. Like, I don't want certain people listening to the podcast. Like I, I, I don't know why. I just need to delete a whole bunch of people. It's like, why? Why are you? Why are you putting yourself in this situation, Heather? But but I'm I'm exactly the same way. And I don't know if that I, and I don't know the answer. Maybe it does. I don't know if that fear ever goes away, or you just get better at shutting it up, or whatever. But how did you push through that fear and that voice and still decide to step into step into this? Just doing it. I just I just did it. I said, you know what, I'm doing this anyways, and. The fear is still there. It's just not as loud. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes, uh, and I'd love to know your process. If I put out a vulnerable podcast or a vulnerable video or a vulnerable status or whatever, I'll publish it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> suck it, everybody. This is how I feel. And then like two hours later, I'm like, oh no, I should not have done that. And so Normally I'll build it up in my head. of like, oh my God, I, I did something so dumb, whatever. And then I'll go back and I'll look at it. And I'm like, that wasn't that bad. Like I built it up so much in my head um, that it was more risky than what it was. Do you do that? Like, what's your process? Like, do you go back and look at stuff? Do you question yourself or do you publish it and just feel like a badass after? Well, I don't have a, I don't have a process yet because I'm just getting started, but um. I really don't go back and reread anything that I write. <laughs> That's smart. So, um, and like videos, I don't go back and rewatch any videos that I do. I don't know if that's smart. I just take the feedback from people for what it is and make adjustments so that I think it can be better. But uh, I try to keep my expectations low right now because um, I find that when I set the expectations too high, then 
I always get disappointed. But give me an example. What do you mean? Like, I'm going to put something out there and expect that people are going to have a reaction, but really we can never control how other people are going to react or what they're going to think anyways. So I've just kind of like tried to put it out there and just have faith that it's going to reach the people that need to hear it. Yeah. And sometimes it's for you too, not necessarily for other people. It's hugely selfish of me doing this because it's helping me process the journey that I've been on and where are the direction that I want to go. So no, I mean, yeah. I, I'm self-motivated to do this, you know, it's yeah. completely for growth. So what is your dream from here? Like, let's say the stars align and things just go the way you envision it. I know things shift and change, but as of right now, like getting this degree in social work and starting this blog, like where do you see all this going or where do you want it to go? I, I really don't know. Um, right now I work with the domestic violence population and I'm really enjoying that. Um, why did you choose that one? Because of the evening and weekend hours that were available for me for my internship. And okay, that's real. I, yeah, like I didn't choose it because I wanted to work with that population from the beginning. However, I can't imagine myself working with a different population. I mean, I can, but I just, I feel really strongly that it's a vulnerable population that really needs advocates and people that are willing to meet them where they're at rather than tell them what they need to do mm -hmm. because there's a lot of judgment around um, people that stay and people that don't leave uh, soon enough and um, it's been a hugely educational experience and I'm forever changed for having worked with them they go through the toughest things and they see the worst in people and they come out of it stronger yeah. And they inspire me. Yeah. So your vision from here, is it working with them? In some way. Um, I'm actually going to do the child welfare track for uh, my advanced year because there's a huge need for people who understand domestic violence and child welfare. And I've noticed this ongoing trend. There's been studies about this like cycle of violence and, you know, children who are exposed to domestic violence tend to carry that on with them into adulthood and then pass it on to their children. And I would really love to study why that happens and try to develop some sort of program that addresses that. Yeah. Who are you looking to connect with online? So you're online building a presence. What person are you trying to reach? Well, how did I know you were going to ask me that? Um, <laughs> so I would say it's the person who just feels like something is missing. The person who is, you know, nearing 40, who is just feeling stuck in their life and having trouble moving forward from where they're at and figuring out what they want to continue to do. Yeah. I mean, developmentally, that's where we're at. And uh, maybe a little bit sooner, but um, I didn't have anybody there. I had a lot of people there, but, you know, reflecting back on it, I feel like those people didn't really know who I was and were telling me my needs based on what they needed, mm -hmm. which didn't match what I actually needed. So, um, and I'm not saying this to bash anybody. I would not change one um, relationship. I wouldn't change one decision, but I want to be there for the person who 
needs somebody to meet them where they're at while they're trying to figure out where they go from here. Yeah. Let's say someone's listening and they struggle with addiction, whether it's alcohol or something else, and they want to be free from it, but it's hard. It's really hard. And just take it one day at a time. And I know that that's so cliche, but it's so true. They say that for a reason. And when you start thinking too far in advance, it gets really overwhelming and just trust that you're going to do the right thing. And I always say when people are like, oh my gosh, this happened and I really want to drink, question your motivation. Like, why do you really want that drink? Like, is it going to make you feel better or are you going to really beat yourself up afterwards for having it? Because it's not being true to what you wanted to do and staying sober. Yeah. And it's a journey. It's a process. Like it's, it's lifelong. It's something that if you want to do it, it sounds overwhelming by saying it's lifelong, but you really do take it one time at a day, one day at a time. (laughs) And, uh, there's a huge community of sober people, even though it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Yeah. What about someone who's listening who wants to share their story and be more vulnerable because they feel that calling too, that they want to help other people, but there's so much shame wrapped around your story and there's so much hesitation. And we talk a lot about this of, you know, who am I to do this? Like, what would you, what would you say to them? Find someone like Heather and her unconventional leaders group that are dedicated to just the betterment of humanity in general and run your ideas past them because, you know, you can share your story without sharing all of it. You can share what matters without sharing, I don't know, like the skeletons in your closet, you know, you might want to, I mean, it's very freeing to do that, but you don't need to do it all at once, you know? just dabble in it, start taking action, start sharing little bits and pieces, but definitely find people that support you and encourage you to grow. That's so good. Where can people connect with you online? I'm on Facebook, Becky Class, Instagram, The Becky Licious, and on my blog at Becoming Becky Licious. What does that mean, Becoming Becky? Why why do you pick that? (laughs) Why did I pick that? I actually didn't pick that. Well, I mean, so my friend Kelly uh, she just started calling me Becky Licious and it has stuck and it has carried over into like all avenues of my life. People in my life everywhere are calling me Becky Licious and I really like it. Like, I feel like it, it just has a feeling to it. It's a feeling. It's not really more than that. It's just this fabulous feeling of love and positivity <laughs> and you know, it just sucks. So I, messaged her. I said, I'm naming my blog, my blog, Becoming Beculicious. Did you ever think Beculicious would become a household name? And she was like, no, but I'm sure glad it is. That's awesome. (laughs) Me friends like that for sure. Last question, Becky, I'm sure you know what it is. Let's say you were to go back to Becky when she was struggling with alcohol. Did it feel like she had what it took to do what you're doing now? And was just really lost. Let's say you were to go and sit with her for a moment and look her in her eyes and tell her one thing, what would that be? It's going to be okay. That's that's all I would say. Because I I feel like anything more would influence her one way or another, and I don't want to do that. Mm. So I would just say it's going to be okay and give her a big hug. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.